everybody. Thanks for listening to Thinking Biblically About Things That Matter. My name is Steve Ron. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist Church in Warsaw, Indiana. And today we are wrapping up our series on gender. Uh, and today our goal is simple. We want to look at the gospel of Jesus Christ and see how it helps someone who is struggling with gender dysphoria. I mentioned um, in our last lesson uh, that I found Andrew Walker's book um, titled God and the Transgender Debate to be very helpful. Um, and in that lesson, it's, it's been helpful. It's been a helpful resource in all the lessons, really. Um, uh, but it was very helpful in that last lesson, and it's, it's helpful for this lesson as well. Um, and by the way, if you would like to, you can um, email me for any kind of like resource suggestions. If you want to do further reading, uh, further listening um, on this subject, so you can email me, pastorsteveron at gmail.com. And um, there's several books and articles um, that I can point you to um, that I think would be a help. So, so um, all that being said, last time we saw that from Scripture that you cannot break free from the effects of the fall by following the course of the fall. By, uh, you, you, you can't break free from the effects of sin by, by doing more sin, right? Um, so we suffer gender dysphoria for the same reason we suffer depression or any other kind of deep distress because of the fall, because of sin. That's where those kinds of things come from. And now I don't mean um, that you are depressed because of some like specific sin in your life that you are committing. I'm not, I'm not drawing a line, a straight line from like your sin to your um, depression or your dysphoria or your anxiety. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But what I mean is that all of those kinds of things, depression, gender dysphoria, anorexia, um, in any kind of, of anxiety, depression, the, these kinds of things exist because of the fall, because of sin. Uh, because sin is in the world, um, these kinds of things affect our bodies and our minds. And it's important for us to understand that you, you will not break free from these disorders by engaging in sin and rebellion. So then the question is, is there freedom to be had? And the answer is yes. That freedom is found only in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. In Christ, God makes us new. There, there is great hope for the one who is in Christ, who by the grace of God has been born again, has been given faith to believe that Jesus Christ is their only hope to be forgiven of their sins and to be reconciled to God. If someone is in Christ, they are a new creation. So let's spend some time figuring out from Scripture um, what that means. How does that help the person who is struggling with gender dysphoria? So, so there's, there's several ways that the gospel helps us. So that's what I want to look at um, in this lesson, how the gospel helps us. Um, number one, 
The gospel helps us to wait. Romans 8, 18-22 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who, are, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Let me read that again. Not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So these verses are a very helpful, very honest reminder that we are going to suffer distress here in this world. Creation itself is groaning because of the curse of sin, but it's not just creation. We are groaning too. Even those of us who have, who have been saved, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. But here is the good news. Our groans are not permanent. Everyone who is a new creation is headed for the day when our bodies will be redeemed. Our bodies will be set free from the bondage to corruption. We must understand that, that yes, gender dysphoria is incredibly distressing. It causes a very real anguish. But it is nowhere near the only thing that distresses us. Our bodies and our minds are in bondage to all kinds of disorders. We can and we should pray that God will bring us earthly relief, that God will take our deep anguish away. He'll take our deep discontentment away. But we also have to understand that Scripture has promised that in this world, the normal thing is to groan because our bodies and our minds are not the way we want them to be. God can and does heal, but oftentimes he instead chooses to allow us to have plenty to groan about. And he gives us this promise that one day our bodies will be redeemed. Our bodies will be rescued from bondage to corruption. So the person who has the gospel, the person who is in Christ, they can wait. They can know that their groanings will not last forever. So that's the first way the gospel helps us. That's the first way that it helps us to be a new creation, to be in Christ. The gospel helps us to wait. Number two, the gospel helps us to think. The gospel helps us to think. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In saving us, Jesus has given us his spirit, and the spirit renews our minds, which means as we set our minds on his word, he is reordering our thinking. He is helping us to think better, to, to be better at thinking. Uh, again, this doesn't take away our feelings of dysphoria. Uh, and and, and I, I want to speak to those of you who, who 
aren't necessarily feeling um, gender dysphoria. Maybe you're experiencing same-sex attraction, or, or maybe you're 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 experiencing like incredibly strong um, urges to look at pornography, or, or or maybe you are facing some other kind of incredibly strong sexual discontentment. Maybe your body or your sexual desire doesn't work the way you want it to. Maybe your spouse's body or sexual desire doesn't work the way you want it to. Maybe God hasn't allowed you to be married yet. There's all kinds of reason why you could be facing strong dissatisfaction. And, and, and I recognize that, you know, not all forms of dissatisfaction are equal. Uh, but it is really good for us to understand, to, to remember that as we are struggling um, with discontentment, it's good for us to understand we are not alone. And, and yes, sometimes God does take away what is causing our distress. But no matter what, if we are in Christ, we have this guarantee that he will help us to think clearly about it. He helps us to evaluate our emotions properly. He helps us to evaluate our distress properly. He helps us to evaluate our temptations properly. He helps us to evaluate the counsel that we receive from others properly. He helps us to say, yes, this is what I want. There's a strong desire in me. It's being fueled by the strong discontentment within me. But I also know that this is wrong. That what I want is wrong, and it won't bring any sort of lasting joy. It won't bring any sort of lasting satisfaction. I, I know that the re, the way to re, freedom is not rebellion. Rebellion is what got us all in this situation in the first place. The way to freedom is to believe the promises of God and walk according to his word. The gospel helps us to think. Then number three, the gospel helps us to love. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and, and give you a heart of flesh. And then verse 27 says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. We are, we are given new hearts through the work of Christ on the cross. He gives us his spirit. His spirit gives us new hearts, uh, hearts that are soft towards God. A heart that loves God more than it loves anything else, including ourselves. A heart that will actually, that will take actual joy in obeying God, in honoring God. So this is kind of like a triumphant desire. This is a triumphant love that God gives us. It's a, it's a love that's stronger than any other love. I've said it quite a few times, but it's important to note, I don't know if God will... Um, take away your desire for pornography or your desire for substance abuse or homosexual desire or anything else. I don't know. I pray that he does. But I do know that through Christ, he gives us a stronger desire, a desire to love him and honor him. He gives us more joy, even right here and now, in obeying him than in rebelling against him. He gives us a love for him that is deeper and stronger than our love for our own ways. He gives us a, 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 a deep desire to do life the way he has called us, he has told us in his word to do life. So pray for this. 
pray for pray that God will stir up this desire in you that God will continue to build this love in you. This is a prayer that he loves to answer. So the gospel helps us to love and then number 4 the gospel helps us to resist temptation. The gospel helps us to resist temptation. 1 Corinthians 10:13 says no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will give you strength to resist temptation. This is what he does for those who are in Christ. I mean, this is true no matter what kind of temptation you're facing. If you're strongly tempted towards bitterness or envy or hatred, or if you're strongly tempted towards any kind of sexual sin. I mean, some some temptations are because we're poor. Some temptations are because we're rich. Some because we're same-sex attracted. Some because we're not. Some because of the way we were raised. Some because of chronic pain or mental health challenges or various disorders. Some because we're healthier than we deserve to be. No matter what the context, um, we... um, we all face temptations. I, you know, there, there are ways, you know, I have friends who struggle with same-sex attraction. So they are tempted towards sin that I'm not tempted towards. But I am tempted towards sin that they're not tempted towards. There are, there are ways that because I'm not sex, same-sex attracted, I am tempted to very specific sins of of arrogance, self-righteousness, pride, prayerlessness, apathy, um, uh, uh, impatience. I I am um, tempted because I don't have that struggle, where, where they're tempted in different ways because they do. But, but no matter what the context for our temptation is, um, here's the ultimate reason for our sin. James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he, he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. We are tempted to sin not ultimately because of anything other than our sinful desires. And so, and so, yes, we are a, we are a tangled up mess of factors, right? We, uh, we all have history. We all have baggage. We all have personality quirks. We, we all have ways in which we, we struggle with discontentment and disappointment with our own bodies and our own minds. Um, we... Yes, we are a tangled up mess of factors. But let's never forget, God is faithful. He will help you escape. He will help you endure. Now, we also have to be clear, some of the ways he helps us escape temptation is he gives us wisdom. And he does this especially before we're in the midst of temptation. If I push play on an R-rated movie and I have no idea why it's rated R, I have no idea what kind of scenes are going to play out on that screen, 
then I'm going to face, I'm most likely going to face temptation that I didn't need to face, that a little bit of wisdom beforehand would have helped a great deal in avoiding. Sometimes he helps us escape by helping us just not be stupid. Sometimes it's good um, sometimes it's good to, to get help from Christian counselors. Sometimes medicine can greatly help eliminate the severity of temptations that arise because of a variety of disorders. I, I mean, sometimes simple things like diet, exercise, limiting cell phone use, limiting time on social media, uh, getting regular rest, kind of having a regular routine, um, just making sure you, you carve out... Um, a day each week where you're where you get to recoup, refresh. Um, sometimes it's it's good to eliminate unhelpful influences. We know that no matter what, it's always good to be a lifelong lifelong student of Scripture. It's always good, as James says, to faithfully ask God for wisdom. It's always good to believe and to operate under the assumption that God is going to help. So we look to Him, we ask Him, we depend upon Him, we hold on tight. And we know one day, Revelation 21 is coming. A new heaven, a new earth, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. The dwelling place of God will be with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. In his book, Andrew Walker um, says it this way, Jesus is going to replace all of our dysphoria with euphoria. We are groaning until then. We are praying for relief until then. And we may experience some relief. May, God may give us some, some physical health he, healing. He may give us some mental health healing. Yes. But come what may in this world, we know that the new heaven and the new earth is coming. So in Christ, we are given the strength to wait and to think clearly and to love God and his ways more than anything else and to resist temptation and to look forward to the day when he wipes away every tear. It is going to be good. This is the hope that's found in the gospel for the person suffering gender dysphoria or any other kind of earthly groaning you can imagine. Again, I want to say, um, if you have any questions about any of this, we have a seven-part series of gender now. We've, we've gone through seven lessons. If you have questions or, or comments on, on any of it, feel free to reach out to me. Feel free to email me. Um, and, and, um, and again, if you'd like notes from any of this or resources, and I'd be glad to try to help you and if you'd like to get together and talk about any of this um, or any of maybe the discontentment um, that, that you are you are feeling or maybe you've got a loved one and you're trying to help them if you'd love to just get together and talk about this I'd be glad to try to, to help and to be an encouragement however I can and uh, we will be back soon our next little mini series is going to be a two-part series on Believe it or not, head coverings from 1 Corinthians 11. So until then, thanks for listening.